the night Jesus was betrayed, when they had completed the Passover meal together, they made the journey from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was, it's, it's a bit of a journey. They had to walk across the Tyropenean Valley and then either over the Temple Mount or around the Temple Mount and then across the Kidron Valley and then a little ways up the Mount of Olives to get to the entrance to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's a bit of a journey. you You can walk it, but it's a bit of a journey. In that journey, Jesus began to have a teaching time with his disciples. Everything that he said to his disciples during that journey is recorded for us in St. John chapter 15, 16, and 17. I left out chapter, or chapter 14. So 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those record the conversation, the teaching time Jesus had with his disciples. Here's a portion of it from the 15th chapter. Would you read it with me, everyone together? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Stop right there. You've been wondering how come you've been going through some of the struggles you've been going through lately. Father's pruning you, not to kill you, but to help you bear more fruit. How many here can say, well, I've gone through a pruning time. Yeah? Amen? Boy, don't you, don't you just love it? Are you kidding me? It's kind of like, ouch! Oh! Oh! Father, really? Really? You know? And it's, it's a pruning time. It, but it's not to kill you. It's so you bear more fruit. Okay? But he does prune us. Okay, here we go. We'll continue on to get to a little better part right here. Okay? Say with me, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Now, he didn't stop there. I'm gonna, we're going to read a little further down. Go ahead and go to the next slide. And then he continues on. Here we go. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. Wow. So will you be my disciples. My disciples bear fruit. My disciples abide in me. That word abide in the Greek, it means to stay connected. It means to remain. It means to remain connected to the life source. But when it's talking about being connected, and staying connected, remaining connected, it is a very forceful, very purposeful, very intentional, and a very close connection. That's abiding. 
Jesus is teaching his disciples, you've got to abide in me. You've you got to remain connected. You've got to remain connected. And I think probably everyone in this room can think of times when maybe you've been a little more disconnected than connected in your walk with the Lord. And those, those times when you're disconnected or, or minimally connected, they're not nearly as fulfilling and rewarding as those times when you know you're closely connected. Amen? Now, 40 days after this, so this is, this is the night Jesus is betrayed. And he's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken to the kangaroo court before the high priest and the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. Then they're going to ship him off over to Governor Pilate, and he's going to stand before Governor Pilate. Governor Pilate's going to say, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. I don't find any guilt in him. Uh, I think I'll release him. No, you can't release him. And they, they actually make an exchange. It's very interesting because they make an exchange for a guy whose name is Barabbas. And he is a known criminal. And he's arrested because he's committed a crime again. His name means son of the father. Barabbas. They exchange Jesus Christ, the son of God, for a sinful son of his father. Boy, is that ripe with illustration. Isn't that exactly what Jesus Christ did? We were sinners, the son of our sinful fathers, and the Lord Jesus Christ took our place and died in our place. Amen? Amen. Isn't that amazing? Wow. But 40 days later, we know he rose from the dead. Amen? And, 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 or excuse me, it's not for, excuse me. Three days later, he raises from the dead, and he spends 40 days talking with his disciples. Please excuse me. Let me say that again, lest I just totally destroyed your faith in the Word of God. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Everybody say with me, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Then, say with me, 40 days teaching his disciples. Amen. Okay. All right. Very good. Hallelujah. Amen. At the end of that 40 days, Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven. And he gives instructions to his disciples. We have it recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts chapter 1. In Luke 24, 49, he says, Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Tarry until you're, literally the word endued literally means to be clothed. In, in the Greek, it's the word of putting on a jacket. Okay? Until you're clothed with power from on high. It's recorded in the book of Acts this way. Wait for the promise of the Father. John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He is saying to them, look, I've given you the great commission, but don't go do anything until you've been clothed with power from on high. And the way that's going to happen is you're going to receive power after that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
But you must wait. You must tarry. And we have, we have learned in previous Sundays that that word wait, that word tarry, literally means to weave a rope. And we talked about how literally God is saying, I want you to weave your life in my spirit. I want you to weave your soul and spirit into my spirit. So that the weaving of your soul and spirit with my spirit, you are like one with my spirit. So my spirit becomes your life source. Your motivation. Your guidance. Your discipline. Your source of power and strength. It all is flowing out of my spirit into your spirit. So that my power source, my life source, is your power source, is your life source. You're weaving it together by waiting on me. And we know what happened. They, they spent ten days waiting on the Lord and worshiping in prayer. And on that tenth day, the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. There came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And tongues of fire sat upon them. And they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. God's waiting on them. Abide. Tarry. Wait. But is there anything in the Holy Scripture that teaches us how to do that, 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 that instructs us on how we can do that? And the answer to that is yes. Yes, there is. In the book of Psalms, in the book of James, there are specific instructions about abiding, about tarrying, about waiting. So we're going we're to take just a few minutes this morning. We're going to look at these together so that we can continue moving forward in this. And, and it's going to be something that, as, as we've already seen over the last few weeks, we're embracing it as a congregation in our worship celebrations. But we're, it's something I hope that you're embracing in your home life. We're trying to model it for you on Sunday so you can take it home with you Monday through Saturday. Amen? Not just something you do on Sunday, but it's becoming something that is becoming a part of your very life. Okay? And so let's go to this next slide because there's something very, very interesting that God says to us. I grabbed my pen instead of my pointer. There we go. In James chapter 4 verse 8, God says these words. Would you read it with me? Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Okay, all right. Let's do it again, but twice as loud, okay? Here we go. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Did you see that? So when you move to God, He moves to you. Now this fits directly with a sermon Pastor Dave preached some weeks back about the prodigal son, right? The father didn't wait till the son got to the door and didn't get up and answer the door. The father was looking for him. 
And the scripture says, while he was still a long way off, dad got up and ran out the door and ran to meet the son. The son was coming to him, but dad didn't wait for him to get to the door. Dad ran out the door and met him. Jesus in that parable was modeling for us what Heavenly Father does. Heavenly Father says, if you start drawing near to me, I'm going to run to you. Now this, this fits wonderfully with a, with a portion of scripture that you may be somewhat familiar with, found in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. You may be familiar with verse 11. You maybe have heard it in places where God says, uh, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. No doubt you've seen that on a plaque or you've heard somebody reference it somewhere or something similar to that. But that's, that's what God says in verse 11. But we're not as familiar with what he goes on to say in the next three verses, in verse 12, 13, and 14, and I have them up here paraphrased for you. You will pray to me, and I will listen. Wow. You will seek me, and you will find me. Praise God. This one. You will search for me, and I will be found by you. God's not playing hide-and-seek. He wants to be found by you. In fact, I don't know how you found it, but this is how I have found it consistently in my life, including when I got saved. We often say, well, I found God. No, you didn't. No, 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 no. You know, it's, it's, it, this is what happened for you. You were running into sin and you were loving sin, but then sin begins starting to do you. And when sin starts doing you, it becomes very uncomfortable and very unpleasant. And your life was a train wreck. And you thought, I think I'm going to go see if there's anything good about this God thing. And you turned around and bumped face to face into Jesus. He was already there. He had been seeking you. That's how it went from eternity past. Eternity past, Almighty God said, mankind's going to go into sin. They're going to they're turn from me. They're going to break covenant with me. They're going to go into sin. And Jesus said, I'll go get them. Jesus said, I'll go get them. I'll go get them. We're not going to wait for them to come to us. I'll go get them. And Jesus came seeking you. That's why Scripture says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You just turned around above face to face in the one that had been seeking you. And it's that way every time. It's that way every single time. You mess up, you turn around, there he is. Whether it's a mess up for a day or a mess up for a month or mess up for a few years, you, you, you finally go, i got to get back to Jesus. Boom! Oh, Jesus, you're right here. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Come on, amen. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Seek me, I will be found by you. I will be found by Aren't those great words? But I've got to give you this caveat. 
It's right at the bottom of the screen. Would you read it with me? When you search for me with all your heart. Uh Uh-oh. There's where we get into a bit of a rub. When you seek me with all your heart. God God doesn't want to be a cousin to you. He doesn't want to be a distant relative. He doesn't want to be someone you date once in a while. Don't we do that stuff? We date God. I'm in church today worshiping Jesus. Then nobody sees you for six weeks. You come back, you go on another date with Jesus. I call it dating Jesus. Are you kidding me? Really? How would that have worked with us, baby? I don't think that would have worked very good. No, I didn't think so. I'll tell you how it worked for me. Every night, I was at 2209 First Avenue North. Every night. And I'd stay there till her dad got home and said, don't you think it's time you went home? <laughs> God wants us, God wants us to seek him with all our heart. Amen. Come on. Now, truth be told, here's how it works, okay? So we got a heart like this, and we say, Almighty God, I'm seeking you with all my heart. But we've got this broken area down here because we were abandoned as a kid. We've got this broken area over here because we went through a divorce. We've got this broken area over here because uh, we, we were abused. We've got this broken area over here because, and we, so we got, and when, when we get done with all that, we've got this little area over here that's still open, and we go, God, I love you with all my heart because that's all you got left. And what Almighty God wants to do, if you will seek Him with all your heart, that's maybe all you've got, but seek Him with all you've got, and then little by little let Him start healing your heart. And as He heals your heart, you've got a greater and greater capacity to draw near to Him and to abide with Him and to dwell with Him because you're enlarging your heart because you're letting Him heal your heart. Come on, amen. Isn't this fun? Seek God with all your heart. Let's see how much more time we got. Oh, I got two hours yet. Cool. Good. Okay. (laughs) I can't remember where I'm at. Go to the next slide, will you please? (laughs) Thank you. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. It all happens by grace. It all happens by grace. We don't draw near to God based on our merits. We draw near to God because He invites us to out of His love and mercy and grace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. Okay, What can you do to earn that favor with Almighty God? What are you going to do? Well, I'll do this for God. Really? Well, I'll give God my life. He gave you your life. (laughs) Let's get this correct. He gave you your life. (laughs) Amen. He shaped you in your mother's womb. When you give him your life, you're just giving back to him what he already owns. It belongs to him anyway. Come on, amen. It's his. It's his. (laughs) So what do we do? We depend on God's grace. 
God's favor to us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But he opens it to us because he loves us so much. He has mercy for us. And his mercy offers us his free gift, his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. comes by grace. But how do, we, how do we embrace grace? We have to humble ourselves. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? So we come to him on the basis of grace. And when we get there, we find some very interesting things. Now we're going to go to the, this is all in the book of James. Now we're going to go to the book of Psalms. And look what Psalms 100 says. I love this. Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. The way we enter into the presence of Almighty God is through thanksgiving and praise and worship. Don't do it the way I did it one time. I, I was having one of those really bad days. I mean, a really bad day. In fact, I, I actually was, was contemplating, do I, wanna, do I even want to continue preaching? It's one of those. It was one of those Mondays. <laughs> this is years ago. And uh, I, I'm kind of having a, a, a complaining session with God. And Holy Spirit nudges my heart and says, sing to me. I don't feel like singing. Come on, sing to me. I don't feel like singing. Come on, sing to me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, sing it to me. I didn't feel like singing, so I started whistling it like this. Spirit says, come on, sing to me. I kept whistling like that. and By this time, I was in the parking lot of the church. And I was getting a little better, so I was kind of now. I got into the building. I was walking through the worship center to my office. And by that time, it was getting pretty good. Then I started, I couldn't help myself. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 Then I got to this one. Man, I couldn't help myself. What had happened? I didn't escape. And as I'd entered his gates, I began saying, oh, Lord, thank you so much. You are so good to me. Forgive me for my complaining. You are so good. Thank you, man. I entered his courts with praise. And his presence began to overwhelm me. 
Dear ones, can I tell you this is the best way to get rid of a bad day? The best way to get rid of a bad day. Enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. But King David had an interesting question for God. It's a critical question. It's a question every one of us have to ask, and we have to get an answer. It's not enough just to ask the question. We have to get an answer. And apparently, King David asked this question more than once because it's recorded in two of his psalms. In, in Psalm 15, it goes this way. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And then again, in Psalm 24, David again asked this question. Who may ascend into your, the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? Who? Who has, who has the privilege of doing that? And, and you know, when, when, I, when I read this, I, I immediately think about, well, Abraham went to the mountain of the Lord. Moses went to the mountain of the Lord. David went to the mountain of the Lord. He, he went to the mountain of the Lord and, and, and bought a threshing floor and, 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 and offered a sacrifice to God. Then I thought about, well, Peter, James, and John went to the mountain with the Lord. And, you know, you think about these, Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, James, and John, and immediately it may come to you, well, sure, I'm not one of them. I mean, I definitely am not an Abraham or a Moses, you know. I'm not a David. I'm not a, I'm not a Peter. I'm not, I mean, those guys were the apostles. I'm not one of them. How can I go to the mountain of the Lord? How can I go and dwell in the house of the Lord? How can I do that? And I want to remind you, Abraham was a liar. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Peter, he was a braggart and betrayed the Lord. Come on. In other words, every one of these guys that went to the mountain of the Lord, every one of them were not flawless. They all had flaws. They all had sins and faults and foibles in their life. How did they get to the mountain of the Lord? Grace. By grace they went to the mountain of the Lord. And it's the same way for you and me. We can go there by Almighty God's grace. He invites us to come there. And He wants us to dwell there. Not just come once in a while. Not just on Sunday morning. He wants you to come every day and be in His presence. He wants you to live your day in His presence. And this is revival. Revival is where I position my life to where I am coming into the presence of the Lord and living there and abiding there, and I am letting God's presence fill my life and overwhelm my life every single day. Amen?